Let us worship God. Our first reading is from the book of Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for those who have carried them down through the ages. We ask that you would illumine our hearts and minds, that your word might fall afresh on us this day. Amen. The days are surely coming, says the Holy One, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Holy One is our righteousness. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. second reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Let us continue to listen for God's word for us this day. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Humanity coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the sovereignty of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. 
for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Humanity. So sometimes writing sermons comes easy. Most often that is the case for me. I have to admit, though, that this time writing this sermon was very, very difficult. I have the title of Hope in the Midst of Hard Times. You may think that that sounds very familiar because I've been saying hope amongst different things for a while now. I've been, it's been a theme of mine and a theme of both sermons and of classes that I've been teaching. When I preach, I find that I'm mostly preaching to myself. I'm, I'm thinking about things that I need to hear. Uh, I sometimes don't realize that until I'm done preaching and go, oh wow, that was really just for me. I hope everybody else got something too. Um, it's because when I'm looking at the texts, I am looking at it with my eyes and with my life and my circumstances. And so I try to take other people into account as well, but really it's coming from me. So what catches my attention is something that I need to hear. I offer these words to others hoping that they maybe are, if they're in a similar situation, will gain something from it or will be able to extrapolate it to something that is close. And I'm hoping that I'm connecting with folks through, through the words that I offer and that God is speaking in some way to those who hear it. It's often funny when talking with people afterwards to go, oh, you heard that? Oh, <laughs> it's not what I was saying, but great, God spoke to you. <laughs> That's excellent. So here we are, me wrestling with this word hope and in the midst of hard times. Where is the hope? This is the question that kept coming back to me again and again. This is a question that actually comes up a lot for preaching. Where is the hope? The hope is the gospel, the good news that we preachers are supposed to be sharing with the people in the pews. This is our job, to point to the hope of God. The hope that comes from God's unfailing love. But I keep coming back to this question, where is the hope? Where is the hope? And it feels harder each time I have to answer that question. There were years where it felt easier, where life was easier. And it was like, oh, well, there's the hope. That's easy, right? It's easy to point to hope and good times. It's harder to point to it when the hard times are here and when the hard times have been here for a while. There are so many things that we can point out in our world today that make it hard to be alive and to find some kind of hope. I don't want to go through the litany. It would be long and we would be very sad at the end. But I just offer to you the fact that I know that you know, and I'm guessing you have a lot of things that you could add to the list of what makes it hard to find hope these days. So when I came to these texts for today, the question of where is the hope was front and center. And that was a question for both of these texts, for the writers of these texts were facing people who were facing shock and upheaval in their national life. 
Jeremiah was talking to a people who were conquered. The Babylonians had come in, had taken their leaders and moved their leaders far away that, and therefore disrupted the way of their life together. They were no longer able to worship in the way that they had been worshiping. And in that very act, it took away their sense of God being with them. God was very present to them in their temple and in their worship. And when the Babylonians came and take the, took those things away, they took away that sense of connection to God. Luke also was writing to a people who were in chaos and upheaval. Their temple had just fallen again, the one that had been able to be rebuilt when the Babylonians allowed the, the leaders to come back to their land. And so yet again, they're facing a time when they don't have that national symbol that makes their connection to God so obvious. They are actually having divisions among themselves. They are fighting over what does all of this mean? How do we go forward? Infighting happens a lot in these kinds of times. But it wasn't just national level despair and chaos that was happening. It was also in their personal lives. When they are not in charge of their own destinies, people are finding it very hard to find hope. It's easier to see the despair, feeling uprooted, feeling torn away from symbols and rituals and community that bring meaning, fighting amongst one another and blaming each other for the woes that have come. Perhaps in all those descriptions that I was just giving about the time, people in the time of Jeremiah and people in the time of Luke, you're hearing echoes of our times today. Shock, upheaval, despair, infighting. We are facing all of that in our time, both personally, nationally, and globally. It's not just a local thing. It is a global thing. So where is the hope? For Jeremiah, the prophet who is telling the people, repent. You are way off course. You have really gotten away from where God wants you to be. He says, don't give up, though. There is hope. A lot of times people don't like to read the prophets because they seem to be just all about the telling you how you're wrong and how you're not doing what God wants you to do. But there is hope in the prophets. And Jeremiah is reminding us here in this passage of that hope. It comes from God's promise, a promise that God has kept and that people have been able to see in the lives of their ancestors. They have seen that before the people have gone astray, and yet God stayed true to them and remained with them and continued to call them God's people. They had a faithful witness to God's steadfast love in their ancestors. And so the reminder that God has a promise with them revived that hope. It reminded them not to give in to the chaos and to the despair. The same thing is true for the time of Luke. Seeing the shoots, where are they coming up? Noticing where the new newness is, where God is at work in what is coming 
what is here and what is coming. Our scriptures are often a description of what is going on at the time when they are written, but more often our scriptures are aspirational. They are telling of the ideal, helping people to become what is God's will for this world. Jesus came as a pure embodiment of God's love, of hope incarnate. Jesus showed the way to be a, a member of God's beloved community. And in the resurrection, the Christ showed a new way of understanding God's promise and what that means for God's realm that is already and not yet. These texts invite us into that idea of aspiration, of living as if, as living into what is to become, claiming the already and the little pieces that we can see in the hope that it will help bring about the not yet that God is working on. How do we do that? It's in that last piece of the Luke passage that says, do not be weighed down. Oof, that's hard. It's hard for me. In the midst of all this that is going on, it's hard. Do not be weighed down by despair. Do not be weighed down by current circumstances. Do not be weighed down by drunkenness. Do not be weighed down by this world. It's so easy to get caught up in seeing just all the little things that can weigh us down and forgetting the larger picture that God has for God's realm. It's also very easy to get caught up looking at all the things that feel like they are out of our control. And that brings about a feeling of despair as well. Here we are at the beginning of the new liturgical year, this time of Advent, this time of preparation, this time to be getting ready for that new thing that God is doing. But this time of waiting is not just a time of sitting by idly. It is a time of active waiting. Kind of like during the pandemic when we really couldn't go out and do much, when everything was truly shut down, how many people took up a new hobby or one that they hadn't had, for, uh, had time for for quite a while? How many people started baking or sewing or whatever, right? We had time that we hadn't had before to do something. So most of us said, okay, well, what am I gonna do with myself? Let's be active while we're waiting for the world to start again. That is the kind of energy that we are invited to bring to Advent. Not to just sit idly by and say, oh, God's up to something. We'll see it soon, I hope. But to be a part of the, of the bringing it about. Tilling the land, setting the stage, whatever metaphor you'd like to, see, to use. We are to keep alert to look for those ways that God is breaking in and bringing hope. Looking for those unexpected places where God is at work already. 
noticing where we are being invited into that work. Now, hope is a tricky thing because it can be a false hope. It can be something that is used to gloss over the hard realities that we are living in. Sometimes we are used, the word hope is used to help us deny the reality that we are actually living in. But that is not what our biblical witness calls us to. It does not gloss over the hardships that its people went through. It does not look at the world through rose-tinted glasses. And so because the biblical witness doesn't do that, it invites us not to do that either. We have to take a long, hard look at where we are. But that long, hard look should also be a long, loving look. How do we see the deep-seated hope that God has planted in our, in our community and in our world? God's deep-seated hope that is built on God's unending love. Where do we see it in the biblical witness? Where do we see it in the witnesses that God brings around us in our daily lives? So we come to this first day, this first Sunday of Advent, where the theme is preparing the way, what should we do? What should we do? I offer that today we should consider resisting falling into despair and loss of hope. It's a big ask, but I offer that for us to consider this, this week and throughout the um, Advent time. How do we do that? How do we resist falling into despair and loss of hope? First, we need to lean into the embrace of God's unfailing love. Notice it. Notice it in our lives. Notice it in our world. Notice it by giving witness to it. Have you ever noticed how when you name something, it becomes more real for you? Notice where God's unfailing love is showing up for you. And that will make it more real for you. And it will make it real for people around you. And they, maybe then, will be able to notice for themselves where God's unfailing love is showing up for them. Take that love then and let it fill you with hope that life as it is right now is not life as God would have it to be and so that God is up to something to get to that life as it should be, as God created it to be. God is working to bring about the new heavens and the earth. That is what Advent is about, not just about welcoming the baby Jesus again, but welcoming whatever it is that God is up to, bringing about this new heaven and new earth. And as we're doing that, I invite you, as I often do, to embody that in your walk through this world. Live as if. Live as if God's love is the law of the land and not this human mess that we have made. And know that even small efforts can have a big effect. So as we begin this Advent season, let us be filled with the hope of God's love. And as Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Let's live as if.
This is God's beloved kingdom already, even as it is not yet. Amen. As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Sin, I confess. 
Thank you.
Let us pray. Holy God, you have fed us in word, in silence, in community, and in song. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth this day and do not be weighed down. Go forth this day and lean into the embrace of God's unfailing love. Go forth this day and live as if God's love is the law of the land. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Thank you.